Welcome to A Journey of Transformation Empowerment. You're listening to Antonio T. Smith Jr. Where ideas ignite, change, and possibilities are endless. Before we dive into today's episode, we have something special for our listeners. Today's podcast is brought to you by a groundbreaking book that's reshaping the conversation around Black economic empowerment. It's Resegregation, Volume 1, The Power Matrix, a master plan for Black group economics with wealth creation, authored by visionary Antonio T. Smith, Jr., Antonio isn't just an author. He's a former top-secret combat special operations intelligence sergeant turned millionaire. His life work championed the economic autonomy and wealth creation within black communities. In this seminal work, dedicated to teachings of Dr. Claude Anderson, Antonio outlines a comprehensive blueprint covering critical sectors like finance, technology, manufacturing, and more. He blends military discipline with acute understanding of systematic disparity. This isn't just a book. It's a movement. A call to action to create lasting wealth and reshaping the economic narrative. Antonio's vision is clear. Drive a significant shift toward black ownership and control. Listeners, if you've ever wondered about innovative strategies for wealth creation or how technological transformation can uplift the black communities, then this book is for you. Join Antonio Smith Jr. on the transformative journey. Pick up your copy of The Resegregation Volume 1, The Power Matrix today and be a part of the reshaping future. Now, let's dive into the episode and explore the possibilities that await us. Meet Brandy. Brandon doesn't quite understand the power of email marketing and sales funnels, and he doesn't want to lose his customers to a company he loves either. No worries. Brandon is completely safe. The ATS JR Network will do most of the marketing for Brandon and make sure that every customer he brings into the company remains with him. Imagine having emails sent out to your customer every day that add value to their lives and makes them money. Also, Imagine the company Brandon loves marketing to his customers while he's at work or asleep. Brandon's customer will purchase the next level of ATS while he's busy. Brandon may not understand sales funnels, but Brandon certainly understands how ATS keeps giving him pay raises monthly. At ATS, we take care of your business and financial goals with you. Join Brandon in ATS today. Ladies and gentlemen, we are back. This is the Secret to Success podcast, as usual, and I'm interviewing some very, very 
just influential people. And I, I must admit to you, it is my esteemed pleasure to introduce someone coming next, and he will regale us with a few different subjects from intimacy all the way to loneliness, and we'll let him, as he's the expert, and talk about all that. But let me tell you why I'm excited. And normally what I would do, ladies and gentlemen, is tell all of you towards the end, please go out and support this person and take your love for me and throw it to him. What I'm telling you now to do it because he, what he does, what he represents, is it pulls at my heartstrings already. So I'm going to tell all of you right now, just prepare yourself to take this episode personal and just follow along and have a good time. That being said, we have Rabbi Friedman over the lines. Rabbi, I want you to introduce yourself. Okay, I am a Chabad rabbi. I have a Chabad center in St. Paul, Minnesota, where I've lived for the last 50 years. And uh, our mission is to make God known and loved in the world. It's beautiful. It's because beautiful. to know him is to love him. <laughs> mm. That's good. That's good. That's beautiful. So let's start there before he gets to some talking points, because you said a whole lot without even saying much at all. You, you know, the, some great teachers say great speakers make the fewest words go the furthest, and you most certainly just did that for sure. Make God known in the world. Let's just stop right there, and let's break that down. Everyone has a narrative of God. Everyone, if somebody's doing something, period, about God, what do you mean specifically about making God known? Well, if you think about the the revelation at Mount Sinai, what exactly was revealed? Of course, the Ten Commandments were given, but is that is that a revelation? Well, only if you see it as a personal description, an autobiological description, God is telling us about himself. So when we say Ten Commandments, it, it, it distracts us from what it's really about. This is not about what we were commanded. This is about what he is. He is goodness. He is godly. He is holy. And he's telling us about himself throughout the entire Bible. It's God's personal diary, and he's handing it to us. He says, here, look at who I am. So can you imagine if we uh, translated the Bible into first-person voice? For example, instead of saying, in the beginning God created heaven and earth, Imagine saying, in the beginning, I created heaven and earth. And just follow through with that. I created Adam and Eve. I put them in the Garden of Eden. I gave them a commandment. They didn't listen. I threw them out. Then I had to bring a flood because people were just not doing what they were supposed to be. You know what I mean? Turn the whole yeah. thing into first-person <laughs> diary. And then God takes us to Mount Sinai and says, here, read my diary. It's all there. So you get to know what God is all about, his likes and his dislikes, his purpose, 
his vision, his reason for creating us. It's, it's awesome. And it's exactly what we need today. There's really almost no other need just to know why we're here. That's it. Wow. wow. Give me my so mission be- statement and, and I'm fine. <laughs> it's beautiful. It's beautiful. So if we know why we are here, the rest of the problems just fall off. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Yes. Okay, and when we don't know why we're here, no amount of success makes your life livable. Wow. I mean, look at the people wow. who are highly, highly successful by today's standards, and they're committing suicide. Wow. Wow. It's amazing. So what would you say to someone that would ask, well, Rabbi, why are we here? Okay, so the first thing we need to do, and this is really shockingly simple and and true, we have this impression, we've had it for a long time, and, and I have to admit religion is, is is a culprit and is responsible for some of this damage. We've been living under the assumption, under the impression that we are weak, we are needy, we are we are faulty, and we need a lot of help. See, psychology tells us that, and religion tells us that. Now, that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. How can I be needy when I didn't create the world and I didn't create myself? You know the guy who's suing his parents? You heard that? Mm-hmm. that? Yeah, I sure did. I sure for being him, born. Giving birth yeah. to him without his consent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I understand they threw it out of court. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's about right. <laughs> I think the parents said, well, we wanted to ask you, but we couldn't find you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Where were you before we gave birth to you? So... The truth is that he has a very good point. It sounds ridiculous at first, but he didn't ask to be born. But now he has to pay the bills. He has to go to school. He has to get a job. He has to behave himself. He has to control himself. He has to discipline himself. He has to become good. Otherwise, he's going to go to hell. what, What kind of deal is this? I didn't ask for any of this. So you gave birth to me, you pay the bills. So if it wasn't my idea, how do I become responsible for this? It's a good point. And even young children today are saying, I didn't ask to be born, so I'm not going to clean my room. (laughs) I didn't even ask to be born. How did the room become my responsibility? (laughs) But even morally, even in terms of our relationship with God, God creates us, and all of a sudden we need to get to heaven? (laughs) How do do you create me without asking me, and then put burdens on me and tell me what I have to do? Yeah. I shouldn't have to do anything. Mm. I'm I'm, I'm just a visitor here. (laughs) So, here's here's the problem. You go to a psychiatrist, 
and you say, I have so many needs, I can't get what I need, I don't have what I need, what does the psychiatrist say? Boy, you don't even know how much you need. We will do a little analysis and find out you've got needs you haven't even thought of yet. Well, thank you very much. This is not helping. So religion comes along and says, you got needs in this world, you got needs after you die. Well, thank you very much. I don't understand any of this. How did I get myself into this mess? I didn't even ask to be born. Now, the reason we don't ask to be born is because we don't need to be. If we needed, we would ask. We don't need to be born. I don't understand why I'm here. I don't need this. I don't need any of this. Like even to eat. Say, oh, oh, I need to eat. No, I don't need to eat. Actually, I need to stop eating. (laughs) 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 And I can't. Now, who did this to me? Did I ask for an appetite? Did I ask for hunger? If I designed myself, would I make myself dependent on food, on grass, competing with the animal for the, for the vegetable? Would I do this to myself? If I designed myself, would I have to sleep half my life away? If I designed myself, would I need love? Why would I do that to myself? Yeah. So I didn't do any of that. So when I say I need to eat, it's not correct. I have a handicap that makes me eat every couple of hours. And who gave me this handicap? My creator. So who needs me to eat? He does. Oh, your creator. I get it. So it turns out that if I were really healthy... And if I were really in touch with my true self, I would realize that I don't need anything. I don't have deep, dark, secret needs that are repressed and frustrated. That's on the surface. Deep down inside, in truth, I don't need anything. Because I didn't ask to be born. I don't need to be here. I don't need life. I don't need any of this. Now, that may sound a little suicidal, (laughs) a little fatalistic. I don't need this. I'm out of here. No, I'm not out of here. I don't need this, so who needed me? So if I'm not here for my need, why am I here? Whose need brings me into existence? So here's the shocker. We always thought we are needy and God is sitting up in heaven on vacation, watching us struggle. (laughs) It's the exact opposite. We need nothing. He's the one who needs. He created the world. So to say that God is indifferent, God is removed, God is, is invulnerable, wrong, wrong. God is truly vulnerable. And we are created in his image. So he is the one who needs. We have make-believe needs. 
His needs are real. So why am I here? Because he needs me. Now here's here's where we get to the to the personal relationship stuff. We've also lived under the impression that love is the solution to all our problems. Whoa. I'm gonna break it down. If your kid is misbehaving, it's because you don't love him enough. So but I love him a lot. Well, you gotta love him more. But I do love him more. Well love him even more. It it's just it's it's becoming ridiculous. If your marriage is not smooth, if your marriage is not happy, because you don't have enough love. Love makes the world go round. Love will keep us together. All you really need is love and all that Hollywood stuff. Hmm. It turns out human beings need to be needed much more than we need to be loved. Wow. Because if you don't need me, Love is not going to make a difference. If I'm not necessary, then don't love me. Don't be ridiculous. I'm not a pet. You see, I'm not a gerbil. <laughs> you don't need a gerbil, but they're so cute and they run around, and so you love them, so you have one. No, I don't, I'm not a gerbil. I'm not here for your pleasure. Either you need me or, or I'm not interested. I'm either necessary or I'm useless. And loving me doesn't make me any more useful. Mm. So we've, we've, been, we've been insulting human dignity by saying human beings just need to be loved. No, we don't. We need to have a purpose. We need to know that we are necessary, that we're an important part of God's plan. And the secular world says... Nature would be so perfect if human beings would just disappear. Because <laughs> yeah, we, we corrupt the world. We ruin everything. We are the clutter. We're littering the world. Just go away and nature will be perfect. That's the exact opposite of what Judaism believes, what the Bible says. You are essential to him to his plan, to his purpose, to his vision, to the reason that he created the world. Now, he may not love you, because sometimes you don't deserve to be loved, but he always needs you. And that's how a family should work. I may not always love my family, but I, but I can't be without them. I need them. And if I need them, eventually I'll get to love them too. Mm. So here's another shocker. Okay. Unconditional love. Yeah. No, yeah. no such thing. Unconditional love is, again, an insult to human dignity. If I say to my children, I love you unconditionally, no matter what you do, no matter how you behave, no matter what you say, I will love you. The child says, oh, so, so I don't count, huh? So what I do makes no difference. I'm not sure who it is you're loving because right now I am not lovable and you're not even noticing. Love can't be unconditional. Love means I am responding to you. 
How can I respond with love when you're being hateful? It means I'm ignoring you. I decide that I like love, and that's all I'm going to do, and I don't care what you say or what you think. It's not even an emotion anymore. It's just a hang-up. I'm hung up on love. I don't care. So the child who is told that he, he, he is loved unconditionally feels rejected. What is unconditional is the relationship, not the emotion. I am your mother unconditionally. No matter what happens, I will always be your mother. That's unconditional. <laughs> you know how unconditional that is? Mm -hmm. I will be your mother even when I hate you. Mm. And right now I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> we don't live on love we live purposeful if there's a reason for me to be here I'm in if there's no reason for me to be here what what's love going to do for me we are not gerbils wow Wow. All right, so we got a lot to talk about. <laughs> you gave us so much. You gave us so much. But first, I want to I wanna bring up some things. I've been researching you for about four or five days, and you and I hit a strong accord on saving kids from their parents. The way I process that information and teach it to the millions of people who follow me is I basically say, as I coach people around the world, 98% of them have the same problem and their parents gave them low self-esteem and et cetera, et cetera. So why don't you break down for us? What do you mean by saving kids from their parents and anything else that you would like to add to that subject? <clears throat> Uh, um, making children independent of their parents sounds a little more positive than saving them from their parents. Yeah. It's the yeah. same idea. <laughs> Definitely. Same idea. Uh, the idea is that everybody has a relationship with God because it's God who created you, not your parents. Mm-hmm. So this guy who's suing his parents for giving birth to him without his consent? Yeah, that's the wrong guy. party. <laughs> he should be suing <laughs> because God created him. Now, sometimes God gives us a gift of great parents. And it's a gift. Yeah. But if we don't have that gift, we are still totally necessary to God, in a relationship with God, he, we are indispensable to his plan, otherwise he would not have created me. So I'm not so dependent on my parent as I thought, because I have a standing relationship with God. And that means that I am never alone. Never alone, because somebody is worried about me, somebody needs me all the time. And if it's not my parents, 
or my wife, then it's God. So we can be independent of our parents because it's not our parents who give us our purpose in life. And since our purpose in life is the most important part of it, we can be independent of our parents by getting our purpose from a higher source. Mm-hmm. And that is the gift that God gave us by revealing himself and saying, I'm the one who created you. Don't blame your parents and don't depend on your parents. If they're great, that's a gift. If they're not great, talk to me. I'm the one who created you. That's good. That's really good. Let me ask you a question. You mentioned earlier and, and first of all, let, let me just say to our listeners, this, this is deep. <laughs> you're, you're, you're just amazing in the way you word, word things and, and your, your views are, are are refreshing, you know, refreshing and give a lot of credence to talk about things. Earlier you mentioned that human beings need to be needed, and I resonated with that. I've I, I truly, truly never thought about it that way, but there's a lot of truth into that. And it makes me ask the question. I'm trying to anticipate our listeners. They would ask you, Rabbi, I agree with that. Why does God need us? What would you say to that? That is the most beautiful concept in the universe. Wow. Uh, It works like this. Can God need anything if he is the ultimate perfection the infinite, all-knowing, all-powerful, can he need something? On the other hand, what, did he create the world for nothing? Mm -hmm. So we have a conundrum here. If he needs something, he's not perfect. But if he doesn't need anything, then this whole world is a joke. A cruel joke. That's a good point. That can't be either. So here's the beautiful, beautiful insight. God doesn't need anything. He's God. He needs nothing. So how do we describe this perfect being? He is eternal. He always was and he always will be. Before there was a world, there was only him. Care of is a subscription service that makes it easy to get vitamins, protein powders, and more personalized just for you and delivered straight to your door. Give yourself support this season with the boost. Whether you're looking for energy, better sleep, to maintain stress, or something else to help you feel your healthiest. Care of's fun online quiz asks you about your diet, health goals, and lifestyle choices and takes only five minutes to find out your personal scientifically backed recommendation for vitamins, protein powders, and more. Your personalized Care Of subscription box gets sent right to your door every month with personalized daily packs, great for a busy on-the-go lifestyle, and they even say your name on them. Care Of makes sure you're getting vitamins and protein from the best sources backed by honest guidance and transparency. For 30% off your first Care Of order, go to takecareof.com and enter secret to success three zero. Again, for thirty percent off your first care of order, go to takecareof.com and enter secret to success thirty. There's your problem. There was only him. 
So why did God create the world? Not for something, but for someone. To have someone beside himself. So if you say, what did God create the world for? That's, that's, that's misleading and confusing. He didn't create the world for a what. He created the world for a who. Wow. Now, why would God need someone beside himself? I don't know. There's no reason. That's just the way God is. Being perfect but alone is not good enough. For no particular reason. That's just the way he is. That is godly. If you feel like you're enough, you're not godly. You're not like him. He, being perfect and eternal and so on and so forth, does not find being himself enough. So if you want to be like him, and we are created in his image, then we also feel just me, not enough, even wow. if I'm perfect. Wow. That's powerful. That's so why did God create the world? So that he is not alone. And, and this is different from loneliness. It's not that he's lonely. That's a weakness. But being alone is perfection. And that perfection God rejects and says, that is pointless. So here I am, infinite, eternal, all-powerful, all-knowing, and and that's it. And God says, no, that's... He actually says it in the Bible, it is not good for man to be alone. Why? Otov. And why is it not good? Because it's not good for me, and you're created in my image, so it's not good for you either. So what do you need? You need someone, not something. So to use someone in order to get something, that Uh-oh. is sinful. Well, you got to break that down, Rabbi. That's powerful. <laughs> you got to go into <laughs> that. That's good. That's real good. Okay. Now, if, I, if a man would say to a woman, I want to marry you for your money. You got so much money, and I love money. So I want to marry you for your money. What makes that so offensive? You're actually saying, I want to marry you for your money. If I could just have the money without marrying you, (laughs) that would be perfect. (laughs) But since nothing is perfect in this world, I guess I'm going to have to marry you. Yeah. <laughs> it is so insulting. But you know the same is true with love. Mm. I want to marry you for love. Oh, I see what you did there. Now, if you could just oh. give me the love without your personality and your opinions and your habits and your shtick, can I just have the love and shut up? <laughs> wow. <laughs> Uh, you're shocking a lot of people right now, I'm telling you. Oh, yeah, and and that literally is pornography. 
I just want what I can get from you. I don't want to put up with you. <laughs> so as a result, a person who's married, he's happy, he's getting what he wants, he's got love, he's got sex, he's got money, and his wife feels completely alone in the world. Because the original problem of it's not good to be alone has never yeah. been solved. She's still alone because he doesn't need her. He needs the things he gets from her. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I actually asked, I was doing some marriage counseling, and I asked, this guy says, I love everything about my wife. Which, you know, left me a little puzzled because his wife <laughs> wanted a divorce. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so something wasn't adding up, you know. So I said, you love everything about your wife? He says, yeah. I said, do you love her? He says, I love everything about her. I said, yeah, but you do love her. He says, what about her? <laughs> I said, no, not about her. Do you love her? He says, what does that mean? He doesn't even know what that means. If you take away the things about her, there's nothing left. So who are you married to? So if a guy says, I love everything about my wife. I love her money. I love her love. I love her sex. I love her opinions. I love her family. I even love her mother. <laughs> so what are you married to? You're married to the money, to the looks, to the love, to the sex, to the mother-in-law. The only thing you're not married to is her. Wow. So she is alone in the world, and so are you. And we say that to God. It's hard to believe. But, you know, I, I worship God, I believe in God, I obey God because I want to get to heaven. <laughs> I'm actually saying, can I just get to heaven? You have to make everything so complicated. <laughs> just let me into heaven and that would be perfect. No, that doesn't work? Okay, fine. I worship you. <laughs> it's so insulting. It's so insulting. So, why did God create us? Because being alone is ungodly. That? It's not a human That's thing. Wild. Humans could be very happy being alone. It's only because of the godly part of us that can't stand being alone. For no reason. For no reason. It's not like we can't manage. It's not like I need somebody to do my laundry. For no reason. I just... Me alone? Just me? What's the point? Yes, I can handle everything. But what's the point? That's amazing. Would you would you say, I'm, I'm hearing something the whole time you've been talking. What is your view on that we are all connected? So what would you say? If I was to ask you, hey, Rabbi, are we all connected? What would be your answer to me? We are all connected in a very significant way, despite our huge differences. There's no contradiction here. We are very different. 
and those differences are significant, necessary, and positive. Mm. And yet we are connected in a very significant way, and that is we are all part of his need, and we are all here to serve his need. But we serve in such different ways because he has a variety of needs. <laughs> He's got an infinite imagination. <laughs> uh, I didn't see that coming. That was good. <laughs> that was so good. so he, he really, truly needs different things from different people, and together we make up the puzzle. So it is significant if you're born a female, God needs something from you as a female. If you were male, he wouldn't need you. Mm. And if you're male, he needs you to be male. So these people who are confused about their gender, like, you know, I, I'm not sure I want to be male or I'm not sure I want to be female. Yeah, that's fine. If you're thinking about yourself, but if you're thinking about your creator, you could go either way. You could be male. You could be female. Obviously, God chose to make you female because he needs you that way. So serve him. Do it for him. If you're Jewish, you got to be Jewish. you got to do what God needs from a Jewish people. If you're not Jewish, then, then don't be. Because he needs you that way. We all have our place in God's need, but we are all needed. All needed. Yep. You're saying a lot. You're, <laughs> yeah. But I'm, I, I think you're accustomed to saying a lot. <laughs> you are definitely doing a fantastic job on this podcast. So just a few more questions because you are you – are, you are well beyond your years, sir. <laughs> your your brain works in a fantastic way. I was reading online in which you were talking about war and how there could be a need for no wars. And what what peaceful way would you say would we be able to end wars worldwide? Or is it even possible? Oh, I think it's possible. I think we're sick and tired of war. It's like an old sure. addiction we want to get rid of. When people say, there have always been wars and there will always be wars, no, there mm -hmm. won't. We don't have anything left to fight over. Mm. We are so wealthy, we're so rich in, in resources, the world is providing so much, there's really nothing to fight over anymore except ego. <laughs> and that doesn't add up to much. You're going to die protecting your ego? That's, that's, that's backwards. So I think the world really is sick and tired of war. We just can't justify it anymore. We yeah. don't need more territory. We don't need more power. We don't need more more political influence. We don't need any of that. Mm -hmm. We just need goodness. And nobody's providing that. 
you know, it's like the answer to darkness is light. That's true. But that's because the darkness today is not even a real darkness. Mm. It is simply the absence of goodness. Okay. Goodness is so neglected that there's nothing left but the darkness. Mm. And therefore, if you just bring in a little goodness, the darkness will disappear because it, it doesn't have a purpose anymore. You know what? I'm glad you said that because you brought up micro-kindness. Well, well, you were talking about microaggression. Yeah. And you were talking about how microaggression – or actually, let, let me let you – so what's, what does microaggression do to the world, and what would be the solution to that microaggression? Well, this, this microaggression thing is new to history. People were never this delicate. People could always handle an insult, a little uh, abuse. We were used to it. We weren't so fragile. We weren't so so breakable. But now, all of a sudden, we've developed this this hypersensitivity, even to a microaggression. And what that really should tell us is that if microaggression can ruin your day, can actually ruin your life then a micro-kindness can save your life, make your life worth living. <clears throat> and even that's missing. We don't have the micro-goodnesses, the, the little, the little kindnesses that, that are so powerful, more powerful in its good than the micro-aggression is in its damage. <clears throat> so... These people who do mass shootings and so on, yeah. either they don't believe in God, they don't know anything about God, and therefore they have no positive purpose in their life. So it's not that they're evil, it's that they're impoverished mm. in their goodness. And then there are those who kill in the name of God because they've got the wrong God. Hmm. They've they've misinterpreted God's statements. They're projecting their own hatred and putting it into God's words. It's not God. So we are basically godless. And that's where all the evil is coming from. So instead of fighting the evil, just introduce God back into the world. Wow. That's... That. That's definitely a solution, that's for sure. Let's, one, one more topic, and I think it's your, well, I want to say it's your best topic, but you've been, you've been doing a wonderful job with all these topics I'm throwing at you. One more, though, intimacy, okay? You, 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 you do a fantastic job talking about intimacy. You have a book you're giving away on the same subject. It's so much to talk about here. I will let you take it away. What is its intimacy? And then please regale us with all your knowledge about this intimacy subject. The thing that is ruining marriage, two things that are ruining marriage, destroying marriage all over the world. You ready for this? Yes, sir. <laughs> The two things that are destroying marriages are love 
and sex. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I can't wait to hear this. I'm listening. (laughs) You see, everybody thinks marriage is love and sex. (laughs) Pretty much. Yeah. It's destroying marriage. And that's because love is a thing. And sex is a thing. You can either have it or not have it. You can have more. You can have less. You can be good at it, bad at it. It's a thing. So going back to that story, the guy who says, I love everything about my wife, except her. (laughs) (laughs) So I love the love and I love the sex, but what does that have to do with her? Pornography means seeing people as things. The opposite of pornography is intimacy. Intimacy means I just need you. I need you. Nothing I get from you is as important as you. When you're being intimate physically in the bedroom, you're being intimate. What are you experiencing? You're doing something with your wife? Or are you simply merging with her? Oh, Rabbi. <laughs> let, me, let me put it bluntly. <laughs> I put it bluntly. A couple have been intimate. And afterwards, let's say the husband says to the wife, so how was it? Pretty common, right? Sounds like an innocent question. Mm -hmm. How was it? Well, first of all, who are you calling it? There was just us. There was just me and you. Who's the it? Who allowed an it into a bedroom? Wow. A bedroom is a no-thing zone. This is the place for us. Don't bring any things in here. So the first problem is, what's the it? Who let let the it out? (laughs) (laughs) And secondly, you're asking, weren't you there? (laughs) But what that tells us is really scary. When two people have sex and it's really good, they have separated from each other. And now they have to check in and see, so what happened to you? Because I was into my experience. I was completely (laughs) unaware of you. Now let's uh, compare notes. (laughs) Sex actually separates the people. It does not bond you. Wow. Intimacy means to be bonded, like joined at the hip. Me without you just doesn't add up. Does that mean we're having good sex? It means I am not me without you. Wow. And when I have you, I'm in heaven. Mm. So you never ask, how was it? If you were being intimate, It's wonderful, always. How can it be bad? We were together. 
This is not a performance. This is not an acrobatic uh, Olympic event. <laughs> we were together. doesn't get any better than that. So what happens in a bedroom, what intimacy means is, I am feeling godly. I am feeling incomplete without you. And that's godliness, as we were saying before. Yeah. But when I get into myself, and this is about me, and I need you to give me something, that, that, that's pornography. Mm. And in some sense, that's abuse. Because if you use a person, you're abusing the person. Mm. Mm. Wow. <laughs> okay. Okay. Let's stop. <laughs> <laughs> Not for one day. We're dying here. <laughs> yeah. That's really good. Man, that was really good. Tell us about your book. I'm going to have all of it in show notes, plus, you know, everything about you your Wikipedia page, your YouTube channel. It's all going in show notes, but tell us how, tell us about the book and then how they can get it as well. Okay, so the, the, the book is a recent book, and, and the reason for the book is because I noticed that happily married couples are suffering from the feeling of being alone. Wow. And that's shocking, because the first thing marriage does is remove that aloneness. You're married. You're not alone. How can you be feeling alone when you're happily married? And I realized that we're happily married to things, not to each other. And you know, there's a beautiful line from the old song from the 60s, Billy Joel. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was the song? Uh, Piano Man. Okay. So there's a line in the song, and it says, they're sharing a drink they call loneliness, mm. but it's better than drinking alone. Yes, they're sharing a drink they call loneliness, but it's better than drinking alone. That is a powerful line. Yeah, it is. Loneliness you can share. Go, you're lonely? Go to a party. Meet another lonely person and you can sit and talk about how lonely you are. But you come home after the party, you're not lonely, you're alone. Yeah. So sharing a drink called loneliness is still better than being alone. Alone. And that is killing us. It literally is a health hazard. Mm. People who feel that they're alone in the world, their immune system crashes, and they're going to get sick. Wow. So marriage, when it is intimate, is the cure for aloneness. So that's mm. what the book is about. What is intimacy? How do you achieve intimacy? I want to give just one practical sure. Sure. piece out of the book. When you're being intimate, there should be no lights. It should be completely dark so that you see nothing. No thing. 
and there should be no sound, no music, no no television playing, no record in the background. You should hear no thing. And there should be no conversation. You don't talk. There's nothing to say. No thing. So imagine you're seeing nothing, you're hearing nothing, you're saying nothing. Where does your mind go? To the someone that you're with. Mm-hmm. That's intimacy. That's intimacy. So get the television out of the bedroom. <laughs> get get the, the computer and the desk out of the bedroom. The bedroom should be just for him and her. No things. No performances. No no acrobatics. You know where you know where turn, where having sex with the lights on comes from. No, it comes from know. pornography, because it's hard to take pictures in the dark. Well, that's true. <laughs> that's true. So pornography has become mainstream. People are are actually being pornographic in their own bedrooms. Yeah. I remember the old television shows. You know, I Love Lucy and all that. Yeah. Yeah. When they were going to be intimate, they turned the lamp off. Everybody knew that. They turned off the lamp, and that means they're going to be intimate. That was the norm. Only pornography introduced this lights-on business. So I think that what happened in our society with the Me Too problems, the misunderstandings and the abuse that goes on in Hollywood and in offices and in in politics. And people are saying, why don't men respect women? How do we get men to respect women? I think I think that's misleading. The people who do these things do respect women. Today, in our modern world, we respect women more than in the past. And yet, these things are still going on. So if you were to ask one of these guys who was accused or even convicted of of, uh, abuse or harassment, you say, you respect women, why do you do that? I, I imagine that their answer would be, do what? It was nothing. We were having fun. You see, in the 60s, Men and women decided together to have free love, which means we lost our respect for intimacy. It's just fun. Relax. Don't be so serious. Don't get so emotional. It's just sex. Have some fun. It's harmless. Free love, free of emotion, free of commitment, free of attachment, free. Have some and leave. (laughs) Now, all of a sudden, women are saying, no, wait a minute, this is not working. This is not true. This is intimacy and we're playing with it. This doesn't feel right. So intimacy is a reality 
not an opinion. You can't say, yes, I kissed her, I hugged her, but I didn't mean to be intimate. What you meant is irrelevant. What you did was intimate and not invited. You were being intimate with a person you are not intimate with. <laughs> so no, 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 it was just fine. Just gave her a hug, just, you know. So is a hug intimate or isn't it? In yeah. fact, not in your opinion. Wow. So I was talking to this woman back in the 70s. She had really neglected herself. You know, she was like a nonconformist, and she was rebelling against the bourgeois society, and she wasn't going to go to no beauty parlor, and she wasn't going to use any makeup, and she wasn't going to lose any weight. <laughs> <laughs> she really neglected her. Yeah. Oh, yeah. badly. 100% committed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Orthodox. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, she was at our program, and the other women didn't want to share a room with her. So it was really bad. Anyway, she wanted to talk privately. So we went into this little room I had as an office. Had no windows. It was just big enough for two chairs. And she was sitting near the door, and she closed the door. And I said, no, you know, leave the door open a crack. So she said, why? I said, because a man and a woman should not be alone in a closed room. She started to cry. She was sobbing. And I thought I had offended her. But she finally pulls herself together and she says, that's the first time anyone treated me like a woman. Wow. Now, if intimacy was subjective, if intimacy was my mood or not, you know, whether I'm in the mood or not in the mood, yeah, yeah. well, with this woman, you can close the door. I don't care. <laughs> There's nothing yeah. intimate going on here. But it's not wow. subjective. It's an objective truth. A man and a woman in a closed room, that's intimate. That is intimate. Now, just because you're not in the mood doesn't change the fact. So if you hug a woman, if you kiss a woman, if you touch a woman, even if you make a dirty joke, you're being intimate even if you didn't intend it. So get your respect back for the intimacy of it. Respect intimacy. It is what it is, regardless of your mood. So if you happen to be turned off, it doesn't mean that what's intimate is no longer intimate. So respect the intimacy. A man and a woman should not be alone in a room if they're not married to each other. So well, what do you think is going to happen? Nothing has to happen being alone is already intimate. Mm. Now, if you intend to be intimate, okay, that's your decision. But it has to be mutual. Yeah. So we need to regain our respect for intimacy. Don't play with it. Don't dismiss it. And don't make it an, uh, a subjective uh, feeling or mood when it's uh, it's a it's a fact of life. Intimate is intimate. 
I don't, let me put it this way. A woman's arm from her elbow and up is an intimate part of the body. The woman's leg from the knee and up is an intimate part of the body. Whether you think so or not, whether you feel that or not, it's a fact. And that's because to be intimate, you have to embrace the person from your elbow and up. I can't imagine hugging somebody with your wrists. <laughs> I don't think that's going to work. Right. So what is part of intimate um, connection, intimate interaction, should be reserved for intimacy. So if you're not being intimate, you don't touch a woman above her elbow. Have respect for intimacy. Our lives can be so much richer. Families would be so much longer. And children would be so much more thankful and respectful of home because there is something to respect. Well, there it is, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> you have been introduced to the rabbi who has, I mean, hey, Rabbi, you've done such a wonderful job of expressing your objective facts and, in a few cases, your subjective opinions. You have done a fantastic job. This is what we're going to do next. Last thing is someone out there that only you can reach. I don't know who they are. Maybe it's a little rabbi out there before Rabbi knew rabbi was once you give us a word of encouragement last final words is on you ladies and gentlemen everything you need to know about him is in the show notes from how to donate to to to, to him and to to his ministry so to speak and how to purchase his book all sorts of stuff is in the show notes just look in the show notes please do me a favor and let's see can't say love because love is bad we just let that the intimate, <laughs> the intimate with him and support what he is doing. Rabbi, final words on you. Well, we're giving away a book, I think, right? Yes, sir. Sure. You're giving away a book. So uh, anyone who um, checks in with uh, it's good to know dot com or joy of intimacy dot com. We will send you a free copy. There it is. There it is. It's in your free copy. That's the first thing you'll see in the show notes is how to get that free copy, ladies and gentlemen. It's there. It's the very first thing you'll see, and you will enjoy that. Rabbi, you are the man to speak like the young folks will speak. We do appreciate you for <laughs> embracing us on the show. And I learned quite a few new things from you, and I'm grateful to have shared energy with you as well. Thank you very much, Rabbi. Honestly, I appreciate you for being here. Thank you for the opportunity. I want to talk to you about your goals and your dreams. What are you waiting for? You're waiting for someone to dress you in success? Yeah. 
that's not gonna happen. Life was meant to be about laughter, joy, and abundance. There's no shortage of money, and success is your moral obligation, but you're still in a thinking mode. Haven't quite worked your way to saying yes. It's time for you to work, grind. Your business needs you to move from a walk to a run. You have been praying for this opportunity. You've been waiting for owners who will look out for your best interest and send most of the money back into the field. Well, ATS is that company. This is what you have been praying for. So now it's on you. Will you care enough about your business to actually take all the freshman level classes? Will you care enough about your business to move towards the sophomore classes and beyond? Over here, we're giving away all the information that takes you to get the six and seven figures and beyond. Over here, we're not satisfied until 97% of our company is actually making money. We're not looking to get rich. We're looking to make you rich. And by default, we'll share an experience of that success with you. You will learn how to do all social media ads. Here, you will learn how to get on a sales call and convert energy into income. Here, you will learn how to code your own app for your business, set up your social media pages, and learn how to build million-dollar sales funnels. And we will give all that information to every single person who wants it. If you want to quadruple your retirement, this is the place. If you want to bring a customer into the company and have the company do most of the work for you to keep them paying you every single month, this is the place. If you want to benefit from the company's success, this is the place. If you want a company to email your customers money-making tips every single day that keeps them loyal to your downline, this is the place. You and I both know the world and how we used to make money, it has changed. You and I both know that all the tactics that you used to use to produce good results, they don't work the way they once did. How many people do you know that have not adjusted to this information age and now they are out of business? Ask yourself, how much more time do you have to waste and be out of business. Here's my advice to you. Stop passing up on opportunities because you're afraid to take another loss. Fear is the enemy of wealth and comfort is the repellent of millions. Will you answer the call? Or will you just get excited and be like, wow, this is a great video and do nothing. The choice is yours. Let us celebrate your retirement. Let us celebrate your millions. Let us celebrate you and break you through the glass. This is ATS and this is your moment. When the pandemic began, I had the biggest problem in the world, not making money. The pandemic was actually quite a blessing for me as it almost made me a billionaire. I came really close. So the pandemic was a blessing. It was hiring people. And get this, everybody. I had 48 job positions open during the pandemic. $22 an hour with paid training. And I could not find a single person for two years to fit any of those 48 job positions. Hear me well. 
48 job positions, $22 an hour, paid training, and I couldn't find someone, not one person, for those job positions. Now, is it because I hire slowly? True, but it's because I wasn't using ZipRecruiter, and that's a fact. I wasn't getting to the right people for the right position to fit my right culture. And there are so many different things that you can do this summer. As a matter of fact, you can free up as much time as you want to. But if you're not using ZipRecruiter, you're probably not going to free up that time if you're attempting to hire people. So what is ZipRecruiter? What is probably the greatest job finder that's out there and that's why you need zip recruiter you need it so you can find the right candidates now it's not that zip recruiter helps you find jobs it's more accurately that zip recruiter takes your culture takes your job takes what you're looking for and immediately matches them with the perfect candidate and if the if it's if they can't find a perfect candidate they will skip over that person and then give you the perfect candidate for you. ZipRecruiter uses one of its most powerful tools, which is the technology itself, to match the right candidates up with your job. You can easily review uh, their recommendations and easily review their recommended candidates and invite these candidates to apply for your top positions. Additionally, ZipRecruiter has a complete suite of tools that makes it easy for you to filter out uh, review and rate candidates four out of five employees uh, have been used by four out of five employers on ZipRecruiter it is a blessing and no wonder ZipRecruiter is rated number one hiring site in the world based on G2 satisfaction ratings as of this year, January 1st. My friends, soak up everything I said. It's not an ad. This is a personal testimony of how I found the right people to sit in the right seat on the right bus. Without ZipRecruiter, it wouldn't have been possible. So how do you take advantage of what I'm talking about, well, you go to ziprecruiter.com slash B2B, all spelled the regular way. That's zip, Z-I-P, recruiter, R-E-C-R-U-I-T-E-R, ziprecruiter.com slash B2B. And I promise you, you will be grateful that you did so. Again, that's ziprecruiter.com slash B2B. It's also in the show notes.